You're listening to Medically Unbiased. Unbiased. Offering an unbiased discussion about all things medical. See? An unbiased opinion. Medically speaking? Yeah. Medically Unbiased. Are we not stuck in the craziest world right now with this pandemic? It is just... Uh, I don't even know where to go with it. I mean, I've got nursing friends and doctor friends that they say everyone needs to stay at home. And I've got nursing and doctor friends that say, oh, my gosh, it's not as bad as we think. So where does this fit? Um, welcome to the first edition of Medically Unbiased, by the way. Uh, my name is Tyler. I'll be your host. And we are going to be talking about a whole bunch of different medical stuff uh, with an unbiased opinion. We're just going to look at the data. I need to see what's actually happening out there. And right now, everyone's talking about COVID-19 because everyone's dealing with it. Uh, it's really the only topic in the news right now. There's no crazy rap music that's causing problems. There's no you know, school shootings, thank God. There's no horrible... You know, whatever. I don't know what's happening other than COVID-19 is the number one story of the world right now. So let's figure this out. Let's see what's going on, people. Um, because everyone's talking about COVID-19, I thought we'd dive into this and find out what are the actual numbers. Well, that's a problem. Problem because uh, the actual numbers and the data is misrepresented in a major way. Now... Many medical professionals have highlighted this, and we're kind of stuck with what's out there. So the CDC has published guidelines and published the numbers of deaths uh, according to COVID-19 and all the other deaths, you know, they count. Data as of April 24th shows that total COVID deaths is only 24,555. That doesn't make sense. Why is that... Why is it showing that? Um, pneumonia deaths show 54,962 deaths from all causes, 654,798, and deaths with pneumonia, influenza, or COVID, 73,000. Hmm. So they're adding a few. Th I, why? Why be vague? Why make it hard? to determine what's going on. And then this is from the cdc.gov website, uh, National Vital Statistics, provisional death counts for COVID-19, coronavirus disease, COVID-19. The page has daily updates, it says, for national provisional counts of deaths involving COVID-19 by the United States by week, by age, by sex, by place, by death, and by jurisdiction of residence. So, COVID-19 deaths as of data, says data as of April 24th, which is two days ago. Today's the 26th. I'm recording this on the 26th. And it says on the 24th, there was 24,555 COVID-19 deaths. Uh, total. Total deaths. Um, that's starting February 22nd. And they have data on... All the different dates, but that's the total as of the 24th. 
which is weird because if you look at other statistics around the country, that number is way higher. What's what's wrong here? What the heck is missing? I don't understand. So when I go to the John Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, it's Johns, J-O-H-N-S, Hopkins, don't write me and tell me I'm wrong. I know I just speak horribly. So in the Johns Hopkins COVID-19 map, right, they're listing out, they don't list it by state, okay, or I'm sorry, they don't list it by country, Unless you're not the U.S., then you're listed by country. They list everyone by country, except for the U.S. The U.S. they list by county. So, in all the different counties, they're listing by you know how many deaths. Now we've seen, I've I've literally seen data that says there's fifty thousand people dead from COVID nineteen. Fifty thousand. Queens, it says Queens has 3,700 deaths. Where is this at? Kings County has 3,255 deaths. The Bronx has 2,300. Wayne has 14. Wayne gets Wayne County, Michigan has 1,443. New York uh, has 1,405. That's data as of updated April 25th, 2020. Okay. Now, <laughs> this is all on the coronavirus.jhu.edu site. Why, why is this data so hard to come by? Why is there not one repository of data that everyone has access to so that we can find out what is accurate? This is just not cool. It's not fair to the people who want the information, medical professionals, nurses, doctors, the general public, you know? News media is reporting number of deaths. So if I type in number of COVID deaths in my little computer here, it's going to tell me that confirmed in the United States, there's 985,000 confirmed cases with 55,383 deaths. Hmm, something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. This says New York has 16,000 deaths. Total, the state of New York has 16,000 deaths. Now, why is the giving me in the CDC, why is this giving me the provisional death count of 24,000? I'm not understanding I, I just don't understand the information. And maybe I'm just stupid. I mean, I'm a nurse practitioner. Some people have called me stupid. But hey, if that's the case, then uh, then I'm not the only one misinterpreting this information. Because what are we relying on for the data? Who are we relying on? Generally, we always go to the CDC. It talks about deaths for heart disease, 600 and some thousand every year. Cancer, 500, 600,000 a year. Those are all death, you know, how many people die, mortality estimates, and quarterly estimates, and that's national information. That's statistics that are kept by the CDC. So what's, I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense here. Um, and I've tried to find out. I've looked through the data. I've looked through the information. And there's just a bunch of contradictory info, 
contradictory data all across the board. So how, you know, how do we figure this out? It doesn't make sense to me on how we're going to figure it out. And I don't know that anyone's going to be able to deal with it at the end and find out the true information anyway. I think because of all of this misinformation that's been consistently going on throughout the beginning of this, we're going to fight to get accurate data. I don't know that we're going to get accurate data, and that's kind of concerning because how do we move forward without accurate data? We want to open when the country's closed down, nobody's moving. Well, in some states, there's like 10 states that didn't actually close. I live in Nevada. <laughs> Everything's closed in Nevada. There's not a, nothing. I mean, well, Home Depot is always open, right? So Home Depot, Lowe's, all of your garden supply stores are open. Not in Michigan, but in here. Michigan didn't open anything. Um, but here, we're, that stuff's open. But the casinos are closed. Businesses are sh- closed. We're all sheltering in place. Um, yeah, so this website called worldmeters.info. I don't know where they're from. They show 55,000 deaths. The CDC shows 24,000. Yeah, the New York Times even talks about the information five days ago. Where's the deaths? You know, there's missing, missing tracking data. They're talking about all the different countries that have different information. And uh, they're just missing data. It's very frustrating from a nerdy science perspective, let alone a practitioner perspective. Um, I'm just, I don't know, not a fan of all this misinformation. So if you guys know where the actual data is and the accurate information is, let me know. Uh, send me an email. Uh, medicallyunbiased.com. We can uh, chat. I'll send you an email back, see if we can't figure something out, and I'll get this info out to the who needs to be talking to you about. But it's just... What the hell is going on? Doesn't make any sense to me. Very offensive. Um, so, yeah, until we know the right numbers, and we tell we know that we're even dealing with the right numbers, we're going to be, uh, everyone's going to be guessing. And that's the problem, I think, right now, is people are guessing as to what's accurate, guessing what's the best data. And when we're guessing, we're just guessing that, oh, you know, we think about it. When you guess something, you look instantly to the worst case scenario, Right. So when you're guessing, you're going to think the worst. So to me, this is a lot of this information is the worst. There's the bad stuff. Don't get me wrong. I realize people are dying. I am not denying that. I'm not a denialist. I see it in our own hospitals. There's people who have passed away from this disease. It's horrible. It's, you know, not it, it's not a fake thing. I don't I don't believe those people out there trumpeting the fake this is to create no this is not fake this is real so if it's real and i know it's real why can we not get the accurate information uh, i don't know the cdc's data the john hopkins data they're both they're both available yet they're different um the google isn't very helpful wikipedia thinks it has the right data i and where's Wikipedia getting its data from? I don't know where all this data is coming from. There's no single repository of it. That's a problem. So, uh, I don't know. Let's move forward. Uh, until we know the data, we can't change anything. So, 
right now, as far as I'm concerned, the data is inaccurate. And if this was a scientific study, we wouldn't be able to publish because we would have inaccurate data. We either need to retest, recount, go back, go over all our information and get our act together before we publish this study because it just wouldn't pass muster. So because we don't know the actual numbers, we don't know how this is going to affect death rates. So at the end of the year, what, half a million people die from cancer, another 600,000 or half a million die from heart disease. And those kind of, those two specific diagnoses will change annually. They'll change places for number one and number two. Just depends. And they're, it's different based on your state as well. So you might have more cancer in one state than you have heart disease, but generally those two compete for first and second place. So at the end of the year, when we talk about deaths across the board in the U.S., um, how many people are going to have died from COVID-19 that may have otherwise died from heart disease or cancer or kidney failure or the laundry list of diseases that will cause death? Because we're going to label them as COVID deaths. I wonder if at the end of the year, the number of deaths are going to be similar. So at the end of the year, let's say 2.5 million people die from all cause mortality. When we add in all the previous causes and then we add COVID on top of it, does the number across the board change? Was there an additional pick a number right now because the numbers, the numbers are wrong. Uh, so let's just go with the largest value I see here, which is 55,000. So did we add 55,000 deaths to the total number or are some of these deaths that are being accounted for as COVID deaths taking away from other causes? And I, we won't know that for the entire, we won't know that till all the data is compiled. My speculation is that, uh, yeah, this is going to take away from some of those numbers, not all of them, but it's, it's going to add to the total, I would believe. Um, but I think it's going to take, it's going to decrease the amount of some other deaths because obviously these people are dying with comorbidities, right? The vast majority of people have, uh, significant comorbidities. So then the question becomes, uh, how does this affect the total at the end of the year? And I think the total might go up, but in some areas it's going to go down. And I don't know, this is all speculation, just like every other thing seems to be a speculation at this point. Um, yeah, it's just not, something's not right. It doesn't make sense to me. Here's the other thing that's frustrating is that it seems like if you die and then post-mortem analysis shows that you have COVID-19, guess what? You're died from COVID-19, not with COVID-19. So the joke I said, and then it's not good to joke about death, but we're medical professionals. We kind of have jokes and we're kind of morbid at times about goofy stuff, even when we probably shouldn't be, but guess what? It happens. So if let's say you're someone passed away that you didn't like, right? So a woman kills her husband or whatever, God forbid that would happen. But let's say that happens. And instead of going to jail for murder, her husband is tested positive for COVID-19 and the doctors have to mark 
COVID-19 as a possible cause of death, even though in the trauma ward, when they arrived at the trauma center, we know it was from the two bullets in his chest, right? But postmortem nasal swab showed he had also had COVID-19. So now when she goes to court, can she say, oh my gosh, uh, he died of COVID-19. He wasn't, you know, he didn't die of the gunshots. That's, I mean, really, really? Can we do that? Well, think about this. There was a traumatic injury of an infant. And I don't know the actual injury. I just, uh, in all the stuff I've read and the research I've done, there was obviously a traumatic injury to this infant. And when the infant arrived to the hospital, they were un- arrived unresponsive, unable to be revived. Horrible, 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 tragic situation. Now, that being said, postmortem analysis shows that the child was infected with COVID-19. Now, the family has not said that this child had any specific, you know, sneezing, coughing, fever, you know, stuffy head fever so you can rest medicine type of NyQuil commercial symptoms for COVID-19. They didn't have it. It was a tragic accident that the child died from. But guess what? WebMD, which we all hate flipping WebMD. Oh my God, I hate WebMD. WebMD is just evil. All my, you, did your patients come in the hospital like, oh my God, I, WebMD says I have that? No, no, you don't have that, okay? But WebMD seems to be the go-to for the average public. They believe that website. They believe that it's actually accurate. So the website has two different pages, one for a youth, an infant, listed as the first infant death related to COVID-19. Nowhere in there does it say the child died from COVID-19. The child died from a traumatic injury, was unresponsive to the hospital. It lists this all in the documents. And then post-mortem analysis shows that the child died from uh, injury and then was also positive for COVID-19. Postmortem shows that the positive COVID-19, not during, it's so frustrating. WebMD also has a page, the first baby in Connecticut dies from COVID-19. Not true. Uh, postmortem analysis showed COVID-19, baby was not having symptoms, was not sick, was not having issues. Uh, during the autopsy, it was shown that the child was COVID-19 positive. So the child, the children here died with, with COVID-19, not from COVID-19. That's a little different. Uh, and I don't believe they should be listed as COVID deaths. Yet, according to the statistics, they were documented as COVID deaths. Unfair, in my opinion. And again, it's going to really affect the end of the year's numbers. So not good. Now, one really weird caveat here, and I'm sure you're seeing it in your facilities just like I am here. Uh, where are all the STEMIs? Where'd they go? Are people not having a STEM? I mean, did, did COVID-19 cure uh, heart attacks? Are we, did we, are we done with STEMIs? Or are they no longer a thing, a thing of the past? What the hell's going on? So I, I was reading on the web, and there's a really good... A document by Shelley Wood um, called The Mystery of the Missing STEMIs During the COVID-19 Pandemic. Um, This was written on April 2nd. uh, And 
it really highlights the fact that this is not a U.S. thing. This is across the globe. Doctors from all around the world are seeing that average drop of 70% of STEMIs. 70%. Are you kidding me? 70% of STEMIs are down. Now, that's just unheard of. Um, So where are they going? What's happening? Well, there's a doctor in Spain who says that he actually published a paper um, in the Spanish Society of Cardiology that shows a drop of 40%, but um, he said that it's much lower than they're seeing in Madrid. And then now Bernard Reimers is a medical doctor in Italy. He said their cases are down by 70%. And he thinks it's because people are not calling the ambulance um, because they're afraid to go to the hospital. So what's happening with these patients? What's going on with them? Um, If 90% of the beds in Madrid, Spain are COVID patients, and then they've, so 90% of all beds at the time of this publication were COVID patients, um, then the drop in STEMIs is probably closer to 80%, you know, not the 40 that the Spanish Society of Cardiology published a paper on, it's probably closer to 80 because no one's going to the hospital. You kind of, if you have a STEMI, you're going to go to the hospital, you're going to get a stent or an emergent bypass, and you're going to be in the hospital overnight. I mean, we're not going to, thanks for the STEMI, have a good day, we'll see you in a few hours after you, no, you're going to stay overnight. You're getting admitted. I don't care how old you are, how healthy you were before you came in, you're being admitted. So that said, where are these people? What happened to them? Because are they dying at home? And then are we listing them as a COVID death when we find them? Oh, sick and morbid, I know. But uh, it's still a question that needs to be answered because this isn't appropriate. This isn't right. Um, so, I don't know. Moving forward, how do we fix this or what do we do? I think it, people are going to start coming back to the hospital and we'll see STEMIs coming back. But I don't know that... Uh, we're going to be able to account for all of these missing STEMIs because I think what's going to happen personally is that the end of this COVID-19 situation, those people who had STEMIs that didn't seek help will have killed off a major part of their heart. And if they don't die from the STEMI, if it wasn't a quote unquote widow maker, or if it wasn't a major cardiac event that caused their death it was just you know severe chest pain they're going to come in with some of the worst cardiomyopathies and some of the worst heart failure cases we're going to see so covid is going to cause a bunch of problems not in a direct manner though it's going to be a secondary cause so because of people's fear of covid19 because they're afraid of getting sick from the virus they're not seeking help I truly believe people are sitting at home, sucking it up and dealing with the chest pain and, you know, accounting it or attributing it to maybe they've got, uh, you know, heartburn or they ate the wrong thing or whatever, you know, and they don't want to go to the hospital. They're afraid of getting COVID-19. So they're like dealing with their chest pain. You know, there's a Dr. Jeffrey Wasfy, W-A-S-F-Y. So if I say that wrong, I apologize, Doc. Um, out of Boston, he said uh, last week he was uh, working as an attending cardiologist in Massachusetts General Hospital, and he's been he's been on staff there for seven years. Um, he trained for six years before that, so he's been there like 13 years total, and he spent an entire week in the CCU. 
and he didn't see one in seven days. He didn't see one MI come through the door. Not one. That's weird. In Massachusetts General Hospital, it's a large hospital. It's not, you know, rural Wyoming. Um, so I don't know. Something's bizarre there. There's we're gonna we're gonna deal with the fallout of this in the medical profession in many ways. And cardiac's just one issue. There's others, but I'm just talking about stummies now. And we're gonna deal with the heart failure and the heart disease and the cardiomyopathies that come from people not seeking help because they were waiting and not going to the hospital to seek care when they probably otherwise would have had COVID-19 not been a thing. So yeah, I don't I don't know how that's going to happen or what's going to change, but I can tell you this, we're in for a wild ride moving forward. It's definitely going to be different. Um, <clears throat> hero worship. What do we... Okay, so... I don't know about you guys, but this hero versus essential, both, neither, I don't know. I do not consider myself as a medical professional to ever be called a hero. I don't, I do not like that term um, because I, I've seen people do heroic things and me going to work uh, and bitching about having to roll patience is not heroic. Um, so no, I don't know that I'm doing anything heroic. Now I'm different because I'm not taking care of frontline hot zone, New York city patients. Okay. I am not covered in a level one hazmat suit and a papper on my face. In addition to an N95, in addition to being decon, like I'm not there. So that's unfair. But I know friends of mine, colleagues of mine, that are out running around getting free donuts and shit because they're, guess what? They're getting free stuff because they happen to have a badge that says they're a nurse. Well, I think that's crap. That's kind of unfair. Um, now, I'm not saying that they're not taking care of patients in general, but let's be realistic here. Not, not everyone's a Navy SEAL, only a Navy SEAL is a Navy SEAL. So the patient, the people who are actually taking care of these patients on the front lines, the paramedics who were dealing with walking into unknown, whatever the respiratory therapists and the doctors who were intubating the patient, the ER nurses who were caring for hot zone patients, they are the ones caring for these, uh, COVID at high risk of getting the disease themselves. Uh, they're the ones who I guess you could call it heroes because they're doing it without probably proper PPE because the hospitals have not given them the right info or the right PPE and they're not getting any more money for it. That's another issue here. So yeah, I mean, maybe the heroes, but I don't know. Would they go to work anyway? They'd probably say they'd go to work anyway. Some people would go. Um, but the average nurse, I don't know. I think that's unfair to say hero or for all nurses to get the moniker of hero. Um, then I, doctors, nurses, medical staff, hero. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's fair. Um, at least I don't, I, I cringe if someone would ever call me a hero for doing my job. Uh, and I know people in the military who've actually fought in actual war and been in war zones that would tell you they are not heroes. 
they were doing their job. So I think it's unfair that uh, the hero worship thing is kind of weird to me. Um, but again, that's an unbiased opinion uh, just based on what the rest of the world, how you treat an actual hero. You know, man who swims in or woman who swims across the lake to save a child in a drowning car. That's that's hero stuff. This is I'm going to go to work. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Send me an email. Blow me up. Tell me how evil I am. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, the hero worship thing. I can't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. So the CDC, speaking of PPE, the nurses and the medical professionals have all, we've all heard the stories. You got to make some masks. Everyone, they don't have masks. Well, I hate, I hate the mask thing, first of all, because yeah, nurses and medical staff do need the appropriate masks. So why are the hospitals not providing them? Or why did they not have them? Where did they go? Well, guess what? Hospitals work on a new supply side or, you know, just in time supply. When it comes down to needing to stock up on equipment, they keep minimal stock on hand based on metrics, meaning the numbers and the volumes that they've seen in the past. And then this time frame, flu season, for instance, is, you know, they'll get more, more masks during flu season than they would otherwise. But normal times they're not going to have as much because they used to be able to get their information or get their equipment excuse me within 24 hours they could get all the stuff they needed now they can't because it's coming out of china or china bought all of it in early january like some reports show so we can't get it so do you make nursings and doctors and respiratory therapists go to work without equipment I mean, I've heard the argument that we wouldn't make police officers go to work without guns in the U.S. So, or bullets, we wouldn't make, we they give them a gun and they could use it as a club instead of a, a gun. No, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't make firefighters go to work without water. Just go uh, take care of that fire, put it out with a bucket. I guess wildland firefighters use dirt and they don't have access to water, but does an actual firefighter in the city show up without a pumper and an engine and an ability to put a bunch of water on a fire? No, you wouldn't ask them to do that. So why are we asking the medical staff to do a ton of work and wear a mask and rewear it and rewear it and clean it? I mean, the CDC changed their guidelines just to compensate for this the CDC actually went in and modified their guidelines. Now, I looked at the SARS guidelines, the first SARS, not this COVID-19 SARS, but I looked at the first SARS from 2003. And the CDC shows that they did in their notation say that you could, if necessary, in the worst case scenario, reuse the mask only if you hadn't treated patients with SARS. Right, so if you had treated patients with SARS, they suggest you throw it away and get a new mask when you retreat the patient with SARS. However, now today they say that you can re supposedly they say you can reuse your mask as much as you need to, just store it in a paper bag and sanitize it, and you will wear it again. Are you 
flipping kidding me? What the hell? Are you, this is just nuts. So I looked at the documents from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, or NIOSH, N-I-O-S-H, for pandemic planning. Um, in the CDC 2019 coronavirus uh, guidelines, both of those pages. And extended use, the definition of extended use refers to a practice of wearing the same N95 respirator for repeated close contact encounters with several patients without removing the respirator between patient encounters. So extended use may be implemented when multiple patients are infected with the same respiratory pathogen. Now, that's important to know because these people are all generally placed in the same wing of the hospital or a floor, right? So you're going to put all your COVID positive or rule out COVID patients in the same area. So I'm fine with extended wear because you're going to continue to see the same respiratory. But extended wear isn't appropriate for everybody. And they're blanketing this. All hospitals are saying that extended wear is appropriate for every medical professional, meaning that I can wear an N95 mask and I can go treat a COVID patient, but I have to wear that same mask when I go treat Sally for high blood pressure in a room down the hall and around. No, no. How is that even rational? Am I in an ER and I'm seeing COVID patients and I have to wear this as a nurse, I have to wear the same mask for the entire day, but I'm going to treat COVID patients over here. And what if I don't have COVID patients? I'm going to see hypertension, diabetes, you know, abdominal pain. As we all know, a lot of those aren't coming in, but if they do, am I supposed to wear that mask? And then now because of the fomites on the mask, am I going to get infected? It's just, come on, people. This is stupid. We know better. That's not what the CDC is saying. Actually, the guidelines say you're supposed to replace it after you've used it on those patients. But what is the hospital doing? They're making nurses keep them. Just unheard of. I'm. It makes me sick. Uh, it's just it's BS as far as I'm concerned. And it puts medical professionals at risk. In it, but guess who doesn't put at risk? doesn't put the supply line person at risk who bought the, or lacked or didn't buy the right equipment. It doesn't put the CEO at risk. doesn't put the management team at risk. It doesn't put any of the non-medical people who were running the facility at risk. It puts the workers at risk. And the workers have no say in any of the guidelines. Are you kidding me? How is that rational? How is it rational that the guidelines to protect you, the medical professionals, are not written by medical people? The guidelines are written by managers and following guidelines that have been modified and twisted and changed to fit a narrative of we don't have enough equipment. I, If there's not an uprising at the end of this thing and business managers and people who don't have medical degrees stop running facilities, then something's wrong. Then we just, you know, deserve to get what we get, I guess, as medical professionals. Um, this, this document goes on to say that respirator extended use recommendations says that you should discard your, even during recommended extended use, you should discard your respirator um, during aerosolizing or aerosol generating procedures. You should discard it for contaminant if it gets contaminated with blood or respiratory secretions. 
you should discard it following close contact with or exit from the care area of any patient co-infected with an infectious disease requiring contact precautions. That means that uh, if you're using this, like the reuse of respirators, if you're using it again and you're in an area that has person with an co-infected with an infectious disease and requiring contact precautions, you need to discard the mask. Hospitals are making you reuse them. That's just stupid. Um, hand hygiene, obviously. Masks, yes, we know. But how can you reuse a 95 mask? That's just ridiculous. Uh, wow. I Now, there's a group. There's a group of nurses in Michigan that, God bless them, they actually went and fought for their rights. They sat in the hospital, in the break room, waiting to punch in, and they told management they are not going to work. They will not accept patient assignments. This is a group of ER nurses. And they said that they will not accept their assignment unless the hospital gives them the right amount of nurses to care for the number of patients that were there. Supposedly, there was 60-plus patients there, 20 of whom were intubated, and they had seven nurses to care for those patients. So that's what... Nine patients per nurse, multiple vents per nurse, just un, just untenable. It's not realistic. That's not even rational. But the state, much like my state, removed all of the provisions for the hospitals so that they could effectively deal with rationing care without legal ramifications. So therefore, the hospital doesn't have to provide enough nurses legally they can make or fight to make a nurse care for more patients with less. Do more with less. That's what we say all the time. Do more with less, right? Well, these nurses stood up and were told to go home. So the hospital, instead of cowtowing or bending to their will, to the nurse's will and request and keeping patients safe, they instead sent the night shift home and made the day shift stay for 24 hours to care for these patients. So day shift stayed. Now, the nurses on day shift are not upset about this. The nurses on day shift are fine. They're backing up and supporting their night shift nursing staff. However, the hospital, it really put people at risk, as far as I'm concerned, by getting rid of the night shift, sending them home, fresh eyes, you know, fully rested people to care for their patients. No. Nope. Go home. You're arguing with me. You're not good. Get out of here. Leave. I don't want you in the hospital anymore. I'm going to keep nurses who are exhausted and tired and worked in PPE for the last 12 hours for the next 12 hours until the next day shift comes because I won't. As a manager, we're not going to get the right people in. So to heck with you. And we're going to put patients at risk. Now, who paid the price for that? Who paid the price? The day shift nurses paid a price because they had to stay overnight, which they kind of agreed to, from what I understand. But the patients were at risk. That's not good. And there's not going to be any ramifications. What if someone died on that shift? And I don't know if anyone died, any patients died. But what if there was a death? Who pays for that? Who's What lawsuit covers that? Because now the hospital says... Well, the nurses didn't want to come to work, so we couldn't do anything. It's so bad. I don't even know where to go with it. It's sickening, in my opinion. Michigan's got a problem. Michigan is a 
a hotbed. We don't talk about Michigan a lot. People are talking about New York and Washington State and California. But Michigan's got a major problem. And their hospital in Wayne, Michigan, Beaumont Hospital in Wayne, has, to me, they highlight what is wrong with the care system and the care delivery model of hospitals today. This single hospital um, is in a suburb of Detroit, and it's about 10 miles from other hospitals. This hospital services about 170, 160 admissions a year, 550,000 ER visits a year. And according to news reports, this hospital is closed. They just closed it like a couple weeks ago. And why? Well, according to the news report, John Fox is their CEO. Now, this man, he said that they're going to lose $73 million this year. They estimate they'll lose, they'll take a loss of $73 million. Um, and they might have lost that, they say, already based on not being able to do certain procedures and outpatient procedures, things that get, you know, things that pay, right? Because hospitals, let's face it. Hospitals are not paid by ER visits. An ER visit is a cost to a hospital, to most hospitals. ER visits are not the money-generating arm of a hospital. Outpatient procedures and surgeries are the money-generating arm of a hospital. So when you can't anticipate how much outpatient procedures you're going to have for the next year, you're often going to end up with an issue because you're going to spend more money um, on staff and services and not know if you're going to get it back. So I get it. They're going to take a loss. And so because they're taking a loss, John Fox has really stepped it up and he really cares about his people. And that man is going to take a 70% cut in his pay. What a nice guy. I couldn't take a 70% cut in my pay. Um, and I know millions of Americans have no money right now, no money coming in, no pay. It's horrible. It's scary. It's sad. And I know for a fact that I would be up a Creek if I had to take 70% cut in pay. So uh, mad props to John Fox for taking a 70% cut in pay, except for I'm sort of being tongue in cheek here because I think it's crap. He's going to, he's going to take a 70% cut in pay. He makes six million let me say that again six million dollars a year to be the ceo for beaumont hospitals and he's taking a 70 percent cut in pay so he's gonna make 1.7 million dollars this year that hospital is gonna lose 73 million it furloughed over 2400 nurses and medical staff in general it fired 100 percent fired 450 jobs completely eliminated 450 jobs furloughed 2400 plus people to where i don't know they own a lot of hospitals in the area so it could be moving them around but right now those people are out of work and that hospital is closed and they're losing 73 million he's still going to take a profit he's still going to take an income of 1.7 million now as i'm a nurse practitioner if i don't bill if i don't do my job i don't get paid right? I need to do my job to get paid. If I lost that kind of money, would I make 1.7 million? No. This guy has never seen a patient. He's never treated a sick 
or diseased individual. He's never touched a patient. He's never taken a blood pressure on a homeless guy that smelled of filth. He's never dealt with a crying mother who lost their child, crying father. He's never dealt he's never dealt with the stress and the crap that goes on with this job. And yet he's gonna fire twenty four hundred people. Three thousand really. It's twenty four hundred plus plus the four fifty, so it's almost three thousand people that he's gonna fire and then he's gonna close the hospital to save money. Not because he cares about people, but because he cares more about money. Well, you think $73 million loss though, Tyler, that's horrible. They're going to lose a lot of money. You're right. That is a lot of money to lose, especially for a nonprofit hospital. Well, they lost another, they lost $93 million in 2018 and nobody blinked an eye. They kept operating. They didn't close. They lost $93 million in that. That's what they had in write-offs and deductions in 2018. So yeah, two, two years of losses in the last three that's pretty bad. 93 million, 73 million. You know, what's that equate to? $166 million. But in 2019, they made $205 million profit for a nonprofit hospital. So profits over losses in the last three years shows a net profit of what, like $37 million. I'm just doing math on the fly here, but uh, so I might be wrong, but it's over $30 million that they're showing a profit on. Huh? Over the last, that's $10 million a year profit. Uh, even with paying him $6 million a year at the time. So, yeah, I think they're fine. Why are they closing? Doesn't make sense to me. Something else is afoot here. And I think the people in Wayne, Michigan should be very upset. The facility is a necessity in that area, it seems. There's half a million ER visits a year to that one facility. So where are we going to split those up at? And is the other hospital just going to have to absorb the other 250,000 patients they're going to get? There's 250,000 for each hospital that's about 10 miles apart from the, the Wayne, Michigan hospital. So now those patients are going to be shuttered to a different hospital. I don't know. Seems unfair. There's a lot of weird stuff happening right now, and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Jayco is crazy quiet. I bet you guys haven't heard about having open drink containers at the nursing station recently, have you? When's the last time Jayco came through your facility? Hell, when's the last time you saw a CEO in your office, your hospital? I haven't. They're all hiding at home from COVID-19 and then telling you there's no N95s. Why do we, as medical professionals, not get access to the data? All data. We're data-driven. We're scientists. Um, we're not in a lab, necessarily, but we are kind of in the petri dish of the hospital. And why can I not get access to the data? If I call right now and ask the hospital, how many N95 masks do you have available? Would they tell me? Could they tell me? They probably couldn't even tell me if they wanted to, but I don't think they would. I've asked local hospitals here and nobody would tell me. Nobody has that information. And if they do, they're not giving it up. Why? That's wrong. We as medical professionals should know. There was a doctor fired from the hospital in Washington state for bringing up this very subject. 
He was vocal about it. He posted on his face personal Facebook page that he was concerned that because of COVID-19, they wouldn't have enough N95 masks to protect him. And guess what? The next day, he was let go. Now, he treated patients. He continued to work. He wasn't not going to work, and he wasn't sticking his finger up, middle finger up in the air and saying, to heck with you guys, I don't, you know, want to work here. He was caring for the community of patients without the appropriate protective gear. He was just asking a question, which I think all medical professionals were asking in the beginning and are probably still asking today, where are the masks? Where is the protective equipment? And why is my CEO making $6 million a year? when they don't have the right equipment. So they fired him. Now, if I was a CEO, I would have made that guy head of pandemic relief or head of the, I would have changed what I was doing with my facility and I would have brought that person into the fold and had them take on the task of creating a better department so that this didn't happen in the future. Because it's happening now and we can't change what it is. But Moving forward, I would have utilized that person to fix all of the perceived failures that are actually happening across the country. No, missed opportunity for the hospital, and someone else will pick that doctor up. And honestly, that doctor is going to win a lot of money in a lawsuit, I bet, when they find out that they fired him without just cause, simply because he questioned what they were doing. That's his job. That's a doctor and nurses and respiratory therapists and technicians job is to look at things and go, that's not right. Why are we doing it this way? I mean, if you're a, if you're an x-ray tech or you're a radiology tech and you're in the cath lab and you see a doctor doing a wrong procedure and you don't say something and you know it's wrong, you're also at fault. You're also culpable. You need to say something. Speak up. Uh, This doctor spoke up and got his head chopped off and lost his job because of it. And that's just not cool. Um, So that's our podcast for today. I know it's not all fun and games and happiness and love because it was all about the dang COVID pandemic. But that's the only thing in the news right now. We'll get back to talking about aortic valves and neurology and all the different medical stuff, but I figured we needed to have at least knock this COVID nonsense out of the way first, talk about it without any political positioning or worrying about what any the president or did or didn't say. This just needs to be about the data and the medical professionals and how to protect them and where are all the deaths? Like, Where's the STEMIs? Why are the death numbers not accurate? I just have more questions than I have answers at this point. And I don't know that I'm ever going to get answers to my questions. Uh, Maybe you guys feel the same way. I don't know. I would believe that there's a lot of my friends and a lot of medical professionals out there that feel similarly to me and are worried about the data. And I've got to be honest, I've been all over the map with this COVID-19. I was one of the first people that initially was like, eh, it's not a big deal. This isn't a problem. It's just a thing. You know, it's over in China. It's small potatoes. It'll probably not come here. And then uh, they closed the Las Vegas Strip. 
and I closed my kids' school, which the Las Vegas Strip has never closed. It's never been closed. In fact, one of the casino owners had to get new keys made for all the locks because he's never locked the doors on the building. He didn't know where the keys were. That tells you it's never been closed, ever. So, yeah, that's a that's a thing. So I went, oh, my gosh, something else is going on. Maybe I should pay attention. And I sound like a complete buffoon because I wasn't paying attention early on, but I think... If I'm being honest and unbiased, that's reality, right? That's the reality of the situation. I wasn't as prepared for the overall pandemic as a big thing as I probably should have been as a medical professional. I was kind of dismissive of it at first. But as we've gone on, I've thought about it a lot and I've been, you know, overly cautious probably in some regards. I wash my hands twice what I used to and I'm a big hand washer anyway. So I just started washing my hands more and paying attention and caring more. And then as this has gone on and I've seen what has happened throughout the country, I start questioning the data. I start wanting to know why does the information not add up? Why does the data not support what people are saying? And people who are not medical professionals, just the general public is spewing out regurgitating data that they've read or heard, whether it be from social media, from news outlets, from the internet in some form or fashion, radio, podcasts, whatever. They're reading and hearing and talking about all this information and most of it's wrong. (laughs) Why? Why is it wrong? Why can we not get accurate info? I don't know. It's concerning to me, people. It's concerning to me that the Medical professionals are dealing with the stress that we're dealing with. And you people out there are having to deal with this without protection. So I hope to God that you've got your N95s, you've got your face masks, you've got your pappers, and you told your CEO to shove it when they told you to stop talking about it. And we move forward and we start treating patients again and we figure out where all the damn STEMIs went. Where'd they go, people? Where's the STEMIs? Hey, thanks for listening. Look forward to talking with you next week. You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.